Good? Yeah. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there entangled in the interwebs? We're back, CSG Podcasts at Jake's Sports and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street, where every day they got something great going on. And we'll get to that just in a second because we have the man, the myth, the legend himself here. But Ross Hipster's Glasses Martin actually out on assignment. We sent him to Sacramento to figure out why the hell Aaron Aflalo signed with the Kings. Uh, Making his way all the way down here from Thornton, though, we got the king himself, Jeff Morton. What is up, everybody? Hope everyone's staying cool on this really, 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 really hot July day. Uh, Nathan, I believe we have a... uh a special guest with us. We do. We got the big stiff himself, Andrew Feinstein from yes. Denver. Gentlemen, yes, my brothers. It's been a long time. Yeah, I know, but it's, it's great. You know, nothing, there's nothing quite like NBA controversy to bring us all back I together. Know, it's very true. We had to rush to Jake's to do this. <laughs> it's been a, been a crazy offseason. We have Adam Scheffner not understanding NBA TV money. We have players signing left and right. Uh, the Nuggets got in on the Dwayne Wade sweepstakes. And, and got out. He ultimately signed for less money with the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> uh, ultimate insult. <laughs> it's been interesting. But obviously, I mean, he has, he has the hometown draw there. But yes, uh, what, what has been... I guess your guys' biggest surprise, let's take Kevin Durant off the table. What's been your biggest free agency surprise? Surprise? Oh, jeez. Um, that definitely um, Wade and Durant leaving. Durant's off the table. Yeah, I know, but, but we'll I get to, to him like, in a minute. But it, it, I promise you. It would, we'll get it, would have to be, it would have to be, you know, outside of that, Wade leaving uh, Miami. I'll go a curveball. I was pretty surprised that Mozgov got a four-year, $64 you know, million deal. I was just thinking the same awesome. thing. I was happy for him. I was surprised, but I was happy. So, so I asked somebody, like, how can you possibly justify paying Timofey Mozgov $16 million a year? And they said, well, don't look at it as $16 million a year. Look at it as a percentage of the overall cap. And that means that your starting center is worth 16, 18% of your cap. I since when? Um, <laughs> and if your starting center sucks, you know, he should, I shouldn't say, Moscow doesn't suck, but $16 million a year for a guy that was basically a DNP CD throughout the entire playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. It's surprising. Like, it's like the Lakers had Roy Hibbert, who couldn't really find his way in this new NBA. Now they have Moscow, who right. is trying to find his way. We'll see what happens. Well, I, I, as I explained on the fan today, um, I think that. These guys are filler. These are overpriced filler is what it is. Because all these guys are is bodies that are made to take up whatever cap space they need to take up. I also didn't realize that Summer League had already started in both Orlando and Salt Lake City. They always do that. Been going the, on for they a always week. Do that. I was yeah. at the gym like looking at the TV, and I was like, is that last year's Summer League? And I was trying to find it's one It's weird, of though. It's not like a real Summer League, right? The real Summer League's in Vegas, and this is like... Well, it's a real Summer yeah, League. Yeah, because yeah, some teams don't go to Vegas. Of, yeah, so a lot of teams but don't Some teams, I think, do both, it. right? Don't they do both? They do... They do Vegas, Vegas after doing yes. Utah or Orlando. Yeah, there some are do. some teams that do both. Um, and the Utah one is weird. I, I don't know why they have a summer league. 
Would well, you having just been to Utah on a retreat and having three two beer all week, I'm sure the guys there are having a great time. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Utah started summer league. They were the first guys to have it, like, like the Rocky Mountain Review. Yeah, the God, I have good memory, Nate Timmons. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. There was a huge article back in the day on the young, uh, the youngest one of the three of us. Gets right. that, yeah. I'm a big summer league guy. Yeah. <laughs> big hey, summer the league. Nuggets are great in summer league, aren't they? Yeah, always have been. What was uh, the, what was two thousand two thousand three? Nicholas Skidishvili. Summer League MVP. Yeah. Yeah. Moutier was good last year. Uh, Harris was good last year. Jokic, we got to look at. And then obviously, we get to see, you know, Jamal Murray this year. Question for the team here, and then we can get into the big picture free agent stuff. Why is Gary Harris on the Nuggets Summer League roster? I mean, he's a third year pro, and now he's a legitimate pro. Like, why? What? What? Is the plus there? I I only see negatives there. What's the positive of him being on that team? I can answer this because I I did ask him about this. Um, From what I understand, too, it's it's up to him if yeah, he wants to play. It's, right. it's completely up year. to him. So what's the upside? Um, even Jakar Sampson is going to be there, and he's, what, what four years? Nobody in? outside of this table knows who Jakar Sampson is. That, but Gary Harris, why is he Because why is he um, there's twofold. A, he really wants to get in the gym and, and really get working with these guys. And part two is that he's going to be practicing with the USA team. So he's going to be there anyway. Right after. He's going to be there anyway, so he might as well get some games in. All somewhere. right. That's pretty cool because Moutier is doing the same thing, right? Yep. Well, Moutier is a second-year guy. That's not uncommon. Although even Moutier, frankly, when rookies have re- – I have to look back at the history of Summer League, but when rookies have you know, all rookie first-ish, second-ish team seasons, they don't typically play on the Summer League team, mm. do they? In their second year? Yeah, I don't think – I wonder if like, I wonder if Durant played his second year. Yeah, that's a good you know? question. Like, there's like no that. way. We'd have to go back You're and Mr. Look, Summer League. Mello, there's no way Mello played his no, second no year. Way. Right? No chance. No way. No way. <laughs> LeBron? Did right. LeBron even play his first year? I know. <laughs> <laughs> the King like, doesn't what? play Summer League. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was surprised by Wade as well. You know, I was, I was pretty – and the other thing that's been kind of funny to watch on uh, Twitter and Instagram recently is Jamal Murray showing off his handles all – like. Every mini camp, I, I have seen coming this, for that point guard. Role. I, I have seen this up up close and personal, <laughs> and I can tell you that it's pretty. I had never seen that that dribble through the legs drill with two with I'll tell two you, basketballs. This reminds me of when George Carl Schmuck traded. He was, I, George Carl's not a schmuck. This move was a schmucky move. When George Carl insisted that Ray Allen get traded from the Bucks, twenty uh, seven year old Ray Allen for Sam, for Gary Payton, his boy. And he already had Sam Cassell there, and he tried this two-point guard thing. Disaster. It's awful. You know, you watch the Boston Celtics. When they have Isaiah Thomas and Marcus Smart both on the court together, it wouldn't say disaster, but it's awkward. Phoenix tried this with Bledsoe and Brandon Knight and Dragic. It just doesn't work. And so like, Isaiah Thomas. You know, and I said this when I, you know, I got to do Altitude TV on draft night, and they asked me on TV about this. I said, you've got to have a chief. You've got to have a chief. And I think that at some point, Moody needs to be the chief. You know, it could be Gallo, Jeff's favorite nugget of all time. But he's never healthy. And so you need a chief. And I just, my concern is that when Jamal Murray says, oh, I'm a one, now you've got two guys jockeying to be the chief, and that, that concerns me a little bit. Yeah, especially, too, because Murray just seems like a natural two-guard. You know, he oh, scores, for sure. doesn't yes. play great defense. Right. He's, not a na- he's not a great passer. He passes a little bit, but his defense is atrocious. Yeah, his defense is bad. He just doesn't um, use his legs at all. No, he's he like doesn't. all waste. He just bends over and gets blown by. But I got to tell you, the man. He can change that in a hurry, I think. Sh- uh, he's got range. He oh, is, yeah. Oh, my he's the best God. shooter since Wesley Person was on the team. Yes. <laughs> Back <laughs> in the day. Since Vashon Leonard. There is. I've seen. I've been to. Uh, all but one of the camp days this 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 year. 
they had five, and usually there's only like three or two at the most. And this was an interesting thing where they had five days. And uh, the guys that stood out to me, uh, one was by far Jamal Murray. Um, number two, Jimmer Fredette, who they the Nuggets well, he's like 10 endlessly, years older than everybody. endlessly praised. I don't know. You know, our, our friend Nate Crackman, I did his show last week. He had a great point on Jimmer Fredette, and he equated it to baseball. And he said there's just some guys out there that are dominant AAA players. They're just not major league players, and that's Jimmer. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not a racial thing. Um, you know, uh, his comparison a lot is um, J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick is a big guy. He's quick. He gets his release off quickly. Jimmer Fredette is just not a big, quick guy. He didn't no. seem to uh, like it when I said on the CSG video I recorded with him where I said that he's had an interesting NBA career, and he made this face at me, and I immediately regretted yeah. it. I immediately well, I've, like, heard, he's, I've heard he's a tough personality, but I, I've, not, I've not met him, so he's, uh, I, can't, he, I can't speak to that. Interesting kid. Um, I, I'll say that there is a – those two stood out to me. Uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez stood out to me because he showed off a little bit of the Dirk one-legged fadeaway. Where do they really see dumb. him? Power forward, small forward. Um, I would Gallo say replacement. Gallo replacement, or you know, he's such a good rebounder. Even, it seems like you need him down low. He is a very good rebounder, and he really likes to bang. He really likes to get get down there and free replacement. Ooh, and that's what I'm thinking. Uh, so we'll have a Spaniard. We'll have a uh, Serbian. Italian. We'll have a Bosnian. We'll have an Italian. What am I missing? We have a Congolese. Congolese. We have a Canadian. We have a Canadian. Canadian. Thank you, Nate Timmons. Yes. United Nations is what United they United Nations of Nuggets. Uh, but anyway, Jamal Murray, though, is the one that I think is going to, everyone's going to have their jaws drop when they see him. It really well, does. I hope Jeff's right, because at some point, and I've written about this ad nauseum, and I was complimenting the Warriors, which I will no longer do, but um, I used to really look up to the, the way the Warriors built that team prior to stealing Kevin, Garnett, or Kevin Durant. You know, they did this with seventh picks, and they did this with 30th picks, and they did this with 35th picks. And, you know, that's, that's so great. And if you look at the Nuggets, Moody at seven, Murray at seven. Moody and Murray even have a great ring to it. Yeah. You know, yeah. is that going to be our – The M&M connection. <laughs> right. Is that going right. to be our backcourt for a decade yeah. that they pulled out of seventh picks? You know, how great could that be? be nice. You know, the, the yeah. thing, though, too, okay, so the Nuggets, let's say they line all these guys up, and they actually progress and do really well. They're a playoff team. They need somebody to get them over the hump. Right, I, I, the Warriors didn't need somebody to get them over. They home. won seventy three right. games. If Draymond doesn't clobber LeBron in the crotch, <laughs> they probably win the finals in Game Five. Yeah. And if and if Curry and and Thompson weren't such sad sacks of shit in the seventh game, they are back. To, and they still only lost by four. They're back to back champions yeah. with seventy three wins. They literally don't need Kevin Durant to win a championship. They don't even need David West to win a championship. But here, here's the point on the Nuggets, right? So yeah. they they've drafted these guys. They draft Moutier, Jokic, Nurkic, Harris, Murray, blah blah blah. Then you know that's the core of your team, just like it was for the Warriors. And then you go out and sign you know one or two free agents to really get you over the hump. They had Iguodala that year. Could have been Dwight Howard. That would have been disastrous for the Warriors. I think. Yeah. Um, but the Nuggets, you know, they have this free agent crop coming up. If these guys progress, we were texting about it earlier. What if they signed Paul George out of the blue or yeah. something like that? You know, I mean, that's what they need. Or you have to think that to way. Need, you have you to know? think that way. Yeah. You're right. If that's why I thought Durant, when, 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 when the Celtics had Al Horford, and I thought Danny Ainge maybe had something up his sleeve, I thought that would be a great place for Durant. Because to me, the Celtics, prior to Al Horford, were a little bit like Nuggets East. You know, they play in the East, they automatically get 10 more wins. But, you know, I thought that... <laughs> You know, they have a nice mix of guys, but you're right, Nate. They don't have that guy that gets you over the hump. Isaiah yeah. Thomas is like a marginal all-star. 
You yeah. know, he's technically an all-star, but he's a marginal all-star. And they needed that guy. Al Horford's going to help them a, a ton, but they needed Durant, too. I mean, think about it. If, you're, if Boston's in game seven, right. and you need a bucket, and Isaiah Thomas has the ball, can't you just put LeBron on him if they're playing well, this, and this goes back to Well, yeah, and this goes back to something that I'm assuming we're going to talk about tonight, which is this whole super team concept. I mean, if you go back and... You know, I always go back. My demarcation point in NBA history well, is... Let's 19- talk about the Super Team. Okay, so, so my demarcation point in NBA history is 1979-1980, Magic Bird come in. To me, that's the modern era. So from that day to today, and that's the era that I've been alive and old enough for to actually pay attention. And, you know, there's always been Super Teams. There have always been Super Teams. And to your point, the reason why only 11 franchises, and up until the last two years, just nine franchises, had claimed a ring is because in any given year in the NBA, realistically, three or four guys are going to win you a ring. That's just how it goes. That's yeah. how it's always been. Right now, you know, that's, that's LeBron, Curry, Durant. You know, two, one of those three guys is going to win you a ring, right? That's, that's been the story the last year or two. Yeah. And that's just how it goes. You know, when Michael Jordan played, it was either Michael was going to win a ring or maybe Charles and Carl Malone. You know, maybe Akeem. Right? Four guys. When Magic played in the 80s, I mean, Magic went to nine finals in 12 years. It's amazing. Either Magic was going to win or Larry was going to win. And, you know, they sprinkled in a little Isaiah there towards the end. So that's just the NBA has always been that way. My issue with, my issue with this particular super team is that it was done inorganically, for lack of a better word. What did you guys think when you saw the tweet from whoever tweeted it that Durant was going to the Warriors. I thought he took the uh, – I just thought he – well, let me, let me – before I say anything negative, let me just say this. I'm a capitalist, Kevin Durant. <laughs> this is his brand. This is his job. He has a finite career. He has 15 years. That's all he's got. He's already spent nine somewhere else. He has every right to do whatever he wants. And I respect his right to make that decision. I don't have to respect the decision, but I respect his right to make the decision. So if he thinks that this is the best, well, obviously he thinks this is the best way to win a championship. It just also happens to be the easiest. And all I could think of was what I already said on this show earlier. They don't need him. They don't need him to win. And maybe he needs them to win a championship, but they don't need him. They just didn't need him. I kind of would have been even okay with him, like, signing with Cleveland. If Cleveland could have cleared space somehow, Ugh. some way, and he would have went there instead. It I don't know. Like, Here's the thing. All right, I, at least you're still trying to beat I, the Warriors. You're I, not- I know I beat this dead horse all the time, but I was, you know, my family has been Nugget season ticket holders since I can remember. And in the 80s, no matter who came to town, the Spurs are in town. I get to watch Alvin Robertson. The Bucks are in town. I get to watch Moncrief and Terry Cummings. The Hawks are in town. I get Dominique. The Knicks are in town. I get Bernard King. You know, no matter who came to town, with the exception of a couple teams every year, there was always a guy or three worth watching. Even when the Kings came to town, I got Reggie Theus. You know, you got somebody. Now, what, 12, game, 12 teams? I get nothing because they've got these star clusters that are so, you know, you've got two out of the top three players in the NBA now on the Warriors, plus Clay Thompson, who's a top 10 player, plus Draymond Green, who's probably a top 15 player on the same team. Yeah. You know? It's just well, ridiculous. Let me let me just point this out. You and I, Andy, you and I have talked about this repeatedly. A lot of people don't agree with our point of view on this, but the greatest year in the NBA was 87-88 season. And you could look through, and I, I, I challenge people to do this. Go was to there a three-point line back then? Uh, yes, yeah. it was. <laughs> <laughs> 80-81, the, I think, is the first season. Yeah. Um, they, you go through all the rosters and look at the amount of stars that every team right. had. And the Denver Nuggets won 54 games that, that year. But, and they were the second in the Western Conference. 
But every roster you could look at and say, oh, yeah, that guy was a good player. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the Mavericks, Roy Tarpley. Forget uh, Roy Tarpley. You know, Mark Aguirre, Rolando Mark, Blackman, yeah, yeah. Derek Harper. I can still name these names. I mean, Dallas yeah. Shrimp. Dallas Shrimp, Shrimp was the yeah. seventh man. Yeah. He wasn't the sixth man. He was the seventh man. You know why? Because Roy Tarpley was the sixth man. Well, you know why? Nugget, nugget. You know why? Because James Donaldson started at center for them, and he made the all-star team. Was it, That's how good the was NBA it, was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sam Perkins was the Sam the Perkins. Team, yeah. I mean, the Nuggets had four or five, like, Top tier guy, fat lever. But here's the uh, thing. Here's the thing. The reason why I've always argued that was the best season in NBA history was because it was the annex point of supreme athleticism and right before expansion. It was the last season of 23 teams. Let me just give you the starting. Sorry, sorry, Jeff. Let me give you the starting five in both conferences. Western Conference starting five in the All Star Game was Fat Lever, who almost averaged a triple double. Magic Johnson, enough said. Alex English, the, most, the guy who scored more points in the 1980s than anybody. James Worthy. Actually, I think it was Carl Malone started. Sorry. Carl, Carl Malone and Akeem Olajuwon. Okay? Starting five in the West. Starting five in the East were Isaiah Thomas, one of the best point guards ever. I don't care. Even though he's had a horrible post-playing career. Yeah. Yeah, I want him in my foxhole if he's yeah. on my team. Michael Jordan, enough said. Larry Bird, enough said. Dominique Wilkins, enough said. And Moses Malone. That means Charles Barkley. And Patrick Ewing came off the bench. That's how good <laughs> the NBA was in 1988. And, it's, and I want to say it's been downhill since. I'm a huge fan. I put my money where my mouth is. I buy tickets. But the bottom line is with 30 teams, it's bad enough with 30 teams. The star cluster exacerbates the problem. Yeah. Well, this so what is, do you do? You want to contract some teams? Well, uh, you Make you, rules so guys can't you know, sign with teams? I love the magic wand idea. It's like, look, we're never going to contract a team. Yeah. Um, could we talk about a franchise tag? That's the question. Could you? Could could an NBA? I mean, NFL gets to do it. Oh, could you man. have one guy where you say, you know, I'm sorry, you're staying here. It's just so anti-capitalistic. But yeah. you have like one guy I where you it. say, you're staying here, and uh, Boy, we have to pay you within you know X percent of your position at the highest paid whatever, like the NFL. It's just so anti-capitalistic. No way. The players' union agrees to that. Like, there's no way they agree to not guarantee contracts. I think there's two lines in the sand that the players will draw a line on: franchise tag, non-guarantee contracts. Everything else, I think, is up for grabs. Which is why uh, we, this could leads into the super teams. Get rid of the freaking max contract provision, which is a relic of the late '90s. We don't need it anymore. The problem is, though, is that. Of the 450 players in the NBA, I know, they get 40 are stars up. and 410 yeah. are proletariats, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. And the NBA basically decided a long time ago, LeBron, the LeBron of his age, whatever, a long time ago said, I'm okay getting capped at 20 million bucks as long as this scrub over here who no one pays for a ticket for. I mean, I don't, I'm a season ticket holder. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to see Matthew Dellavedova play. Yeah. And the guy's going to get $9 million a year. I don't even know if Celine Dion makes $9 million a year. Okay? So, <clears throat> well, she probably she's does. She's still alive. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, like she's, you, you, people out there, not me, but people out there buy tickets to watch Celine Dion. People buy tickets to watch Jerry Seinfeld. People buy tickets to watch, you know, you entertainers. You a lot of old references. Yeah, I know. I got to come up with something better. <laughs> we, I mean, this is just Andy and I. I know. And you too, by the way. Celine Dion. How about people buy money for Rihanna? People right. People pay money Re- for Kanye West. Rihanna. But That's you even old. You understand what I'm, you understand what I'm saying, though. Yeah. No one buys it. And like LeBron James, he's probably worth what he's worth to that team and the franchise and the city. He's probably worth $80 million a year. Yes, pay is. him. You know, I think U2 makes 80 Another old reference. U2 probably makes $80 million a year when they're on tour. So... I, 
I don't have a problem with that, but it's um. But that, you, so getting rid of that's one thing. And then let me yeah. ask you guys. Let me ask you both a different question: Is this just bad timing? Meaning Durant happened to be a free agent yes, in is. the same exact year that they happened to have the sonic boom salary cap rise. Meaning if this literally happened a year ago or two years from now, this literally does not happen. Are we overthinking this? You could say that Durant sonic boomed the Thunder. Super Didn't think tone. about that. <laughs> Not a dry eye in the please, house in Seattle. Uh, Nate, by the please way. excuse yourself. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, that's that is kind of the perfect storm the way it, it is, worked out because it? Yeah. Curry doesn't have to get paid until you know the next season because of that he's only making deal that he's on. Twelve million, right? Is it the fifth highest paid warrior yeah. last season? I mean, or I mean, he's he's Dwayne Wade and waited himself because of his bulky ankles. Well, but but again, are we overthinking this? And it's unfortunate that this happened this year. But once the cap settles in, I've been told that it goes from ninety four this year to about one hundred three next year, and then it settles in around one hundred seven, one ten. When it finally settles in that range, is this is this, is this stop? Yes. This insanity. Yeah, well, because the the TV deal money will. Have, I mean, this this is what it's supposed. To, and it's actually supposed to drop. Yeah, it's supposed so, to be one hundred two or something. Yeah, and so I mean, it goes up and then it goes back down. I mean, this is. This is an aberration based on the fact that we have a once uh, in a generation $24 billion TV deal. I mean, that's it. Well, no, that's a different issue. But my, my point is this. My point is this, is that once the TV money settles. So typically, NBA champions, right? So the Warriors in this case, the Cavaliers, and the Spurs, right? The three guys, the three teams that should have or could have won a championship, right? Yeah. Typically, when you're on that level, you're paying a shitload of luxury tax. Yeah. So you're not... Like even, the Cavs did this year. Right. So you're not, even yeah. an, you're not even an option for a guy like Kevin Durant. It just happened to be this year because the cap literally went from, what was it, $70 million to 94 So yeah. it was a $24 yeah. million dollar $24 swing. Million. So they had to just move a couple of guys out, and they had room for him. And that made the Warriors an honest broker against any other team because every team had a $24 million gap all of a sudden. Yeah. And he, they were the best option for him. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you got, uh, you got the, also the salary floor. And you have everyone trying to fill gaps. Well, that's a different issue, the yeah. salary floor. But, 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 but what I'm but, saying, but, but, no, actually, that, Jeff, to your point, yeah, yeah. because of the salary floor, once it settles in, no team's going to have this kind of money. Exactly. Well, I mean, what I've been saying is this: simply this. This doesn't happen next year. It doesn't happen the year before. It happens this year. I know. Simply this season. But we're going to pay for it. Okay, this is my opinion as a fan. We're going to pay for it. Because as I was telling you guys at the outset, you know, I had lunch with a, a, a terrific friend of mine. She's a huge NBA fan. And she said to me at lunch day, she said, she said what, am I, what am I rooting for this year? She's like, I, I am not looking forward to the NBA season. For the first time in my life, I'm not looking forward to it. And I know exactly what she's saying. I watch a ton of basketball. It was cool seeing the Warriors go for 73 wins last year. But by the time I get home, it's the second half. And it's already a blowout. And Curry's benched for the entire fourth <laughs> quarter. So is Clay. And it's like, that wasn't that fun to watch. Let, and now it's going to get worse. But let me interject this here, Sandy. Sandy. Andy. Uh, the 1996 Bulls benefited greatly from expansion, right? That, that was, that one was of the, the worst, last. One of the worst seasons in NBA history. It was history. awful. It was terrible. <laughs> awful. Awful. The, the Warriors benefited from historically bad teams this year. The, the bottom of the league was awful. Well, I've and been saying this all week. Is it an accident? I wrote this in my column on Monday yeah. or Tuesday. Is it, it's, is it an accident that the same year you saw a 73-win Warriors team, you saw a 10-win Philadelphia 76ers team, right? Yeah. Not and a so it's not a coincidence. And um, 
But yeah, I hated that 95-96 season. I'll tell you what, uh, though. It was awful. And I'm, the finals were awful. Uh, Bulls-Sonics was an ugly ga- finals. Yeah, the ugly. games were in the 80s because yeah. they had all those crummy high schoolers and raw Euros. And like they expanded, they expanded to Toronto and Vancouver. Those were teams 28 and 29 after they expanded four times from 88 to 90. They had two more teams. That means they expanded six times in eight years. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I think, though, right now in the NBA... Nuggets fans are in the best possible place. You don't have to, you know, think about if you're a Clippers fan. No hope. If you're a Raptors fan. Oh, yeah. Like, all these teams, even the, maybe the Spurs, you know, you're sitting there going, well, shit, we're not going to win for, you know, Nate, that's Chris a great. Paul's that's a great career. point. Right. How does, how, does, how does, that's a great point. How do Clippers fans say to their, or, sorry, how does the Clippers organization say to their fans, we got a real shot this year, guys. Uh, no, unless Steph Curry gets kidnapped, maybe, you know. <laughs> Good <evidence. laughs> You have Courtney Lee right. that just signed with the Knicks saying, we're going for a championship. It's like. No, you're not. <laughs> no. 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 I mean, it, Even it, if the Warriors run around, still no. But they well, that reminds me of when Aaron O'Flaw said the Nuggets were uh, going to go for a championship. What was that, two years ago? Two years that? ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was great. I also <laughs> asked him. I also asked him in camp if uh, the offense was different than the time he played for George Carl, and the, he just left his body. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the players realized what uh, they'd signed up for under Brian Shaw. It was, it was the had. worst. Um, but I mean, as well, yeah. we all, go, ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say it's a it's a it's a funny time, but I think it's a good time to be a Nuggets fan. You know, there was I saw people upset that the Nuggets weren't able to lure Dwayne Wade here for ungodly amounts of money for a guy that's maybe going to play sixty games. I'm thrilled. You know, yeah, he would have been a good mentor, but hey, you got Mike Miller, you have Darrell Arthur, you have other pros. Would being around Wade put some butts in the seats? Would it have been fun? Yeah, it would have been kind of cool maybe to see Wade in a Nuggets uniform. But would that have rushed your timeline of what you're trying to do? Could Denver, honestly, if he signed here, would Denver have stood pat with this young team and you know kind of played guys and tinkered around and let Wade toil away with 30 to 40 wins? Or would they have tried to put together some moves and really rushed to be the eighth seed in the Western Well, I, I, I think, you know, we, and it came out in the press, so we can talk about it now. I know the Nuggets were trying to figure out a Wade-Millsap combination. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And had that happened, they're the fifth best team in the West. And, and you could take any combination of Nuggets players because they do have a deep enough roster. With those two guys, you're the fifth best team in the West. And that would have been really interesting. But for what gain? It's short-term gain, you know? So great, you're the fifth best team in the West, to your point. The Warriors, to me... Five straight years. They're going to the finals for, they just went two in a row, and they may be going to four or five more. They may go to the finals six or seven straight times. I mean, you look at the Spurs, too. They, they bring in Pau Gasol, you know, if Duncan retires, which he's obviously looking like he's yeah, going to do. Yeah, heading that way. Yeah. I mean, the, where are they going to go? And, well, but I'll tell you what, though. It was amazing watching Cleveland beat the Warriors in the finals. Like that, it was. If you look at it, it's funny to look at it, though, because it's like, was that a David versus Goliath? Or was it Goliath versus Goliath? It was yeah, Goliath right? versus Goliath with the sentimental, the sentiment going with Cleveland. That's basically what it was because Cleveland had never won anything. But which I, is I, strange because you like you found yourself rooting Jeff, for a one superstar team. It's funny because Jeff's got a great point. You know, we were all rooting for Cleveland because they never won anything. But LeBron did to Miami what he had done to Cleveland in 2010. He basically sandbagged his teammates in Miami yeah, in 2014 yeah. to go join the the biggest force he could join which was Love and Irving yep. and that whole roster. But they were still underdogs. Hey, look, they won 57 games. The Warriors won 73 games. That's yep. a huge swing. That's a 16-game differential. Yep. That's a huge swing. And, 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 and you know what? Kevin Durant should have beaten the Warriors in the round before. And isn't it amazing that in the history of the NBA, prior to 2016, 
Only nine times in postseason history had a had a one versus uh, sorry a team down uh, three games to one come back to win a series, and we saw the tenth and the eleventh in back to back rounds. Crazy. And you know what? I I want to talk about this briefly. When I was watching Durant and Westbrook go into hero ball mode and melt down in games five, six, and seven of that series, I, I remember saying to it was one of you guys or texting with you guys or Adam or one of our other colleagues. I remember specifically thinking, you know what? I wonder if Kevin Durant down deep knows he can't win with Westbrook because Westbrook goes into hero mode, hero ball mode, and he screws you. Well, that's what uh, they were talking about on the True Podcast was Durant, I guess at some point when they played the Warriors in the regular season, they kind of said he really liked their style of play and talked about it, gushed about the ball movement, this and that. And he's on this team where they made this point on True Hoop. He's on this team in Oklahoma City where no matter who your teammates are, coach, it's still going to be all this isolation with Russ and KD. So he goes to the Warriors. Maybe it was completely for stylistic stuff where these guys are having a ball. It's a different guy every night. If, if Steph doesn't have it, it's Clay. You see in Game 7 that Draymond has a big game. Like It's hard to turn that down where it's like, man, these guys are having a blast playing basketball. I'm over here killing myself. I know. It is, and he you know? did not look happy playing with Russell Westbrook. He just, he just did not. And how can you be in a situation where you, got have, you have two guys who have to have the ball? They absolutely have to have the ball. Now, I, I, there's another way to look at the ter- Kevin Durant and the recruitment of Kevin Durant going to Golden State, and it's a more cynical one about Steph Curry. Maybe this is an acknowledgement that Steph Curry can't be that guy who is number who is the the alpha guy. He can't be the guy that's the A guy. Gosh, you know because well, he good... has had two straight finals where he has not been good. But look at Steph Curry in Game Seven. Of the Western Conference oh, Finals. I mean, yeah, it was just good. majestic. He yeah. was majestic. Was he great. was making shots in front of Serge Ibaka. I mean, he, he, was, he was majestic. But I think, Jeff, you have a good point there. What's so interesting to you me is that... You say the same thing about Durant, though, right? Like, yeah. Wasn't he going there to hide from having to be the... But Curry alpha? was on the recruiting trip. Yes, he was. See, I, think, I think Durant going to Golden State hurts Curry's legacy, too. And maybe Curry doesn't care. I think it hurts both of them. But I think it hurts both of them. And, yeah. I, think, and, I, and I do think one of those guys, whether it's Clay, it won't be Curry and it won't be Durant. So it's either going to be Clay or it's going to be Draymond is going to be the next Kevin Love, which means no more All-Star games, maybe not make the Hall of Fame, forgotten about, because you were great for a couple years when you were young, but now you're the third wheel. And I don't know how they're going to hang with that. Let, let me, let me tell, <laughs> to, uh, tell people, historically in, in the NBA – you need guys who are not – you need your Joe every guy. You need your guy who's going to carry the lunch pail. On the, on the, the, the dubs, they have five, a five-man starting lineup that has – even though they're like great and they play off well together, there's going to be a guy on there, maybe two of them, who is going to get the shaft. And he's going to – his numbers are going to collapse because they, they, you cannot have all five going in sim, – sim, sim, you know, in symbiotic thing, it was it was uh, Harrison Barnes in the finals, and well, all the basically all the playoffs. You're going to have that one guy, and as you pointed out, Kevin Love. It was like that with the with. The, well, and uh, we've the heard you and I have heard through our relationships in the league, yeah. and I've heard this for now for two straight years that Harrison Barnes has never been happy there. No. So it's great that Durant watches them, and they're all having a jolly good time. But to Jeff's point, the guy that's been left holding the bag has been uh, has been Harrison Barnes, and I think Harrison Barnes might be the happiest guy. At, at the output of all he this, because now he gets, be, he gets to be he gets to be the man yeah. in Dallas and get his he's got he's got his ring he's got his experience and now he can go for twenty points a game. Let, let me let me point something out. Thirty percent shooting. Before we continue on the on the Wade thing, I, I want to backtrack a bit. There is 
the, 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 there, was a, there was a nexus of different things happening with the Nuggets. As we all know, we've talked about on the podcast, and I've written about, Nate's written about it, Andy, I'm sure you've included it too. There is a, the Nuggets were last in attendance in the NBA last year, and they won 33 games. There is a reality in business, and there's a reality in basketball. The prudent thing is to continue on the same path that the Nuggets are doing, which we all here at the table agree with. But then there's also that other part we're saying, the city of Denver rejected you. They said, no, we are not coming to watch this. So I, Yeah, so I have a couple thoughts on that. Yeah. So first of all, this TV money is so stupid. Remember Spaceballs? They went to ludicrous speed. Yeah. So this is like ludicrous, <laughs> ludicrous money, right? Speed. So uh, if I'm the Nuggets, don't be, I thought the Wade move, frankly, was Pennywise pound foolish. And if I'm the Nuggets, I do stay the course because they're so awash in TV money that, you know, an extra couple of butts in the seats, does it really move the needle that much well, in the grand scheme of things? Sorry. And my second comment on that, which I need to write about this summer, I just haven't had a chance. They don't market the team well. The worst market. We're one of the best the millennial NBA. markets in the country. We're becoming more <laughs> urban. And they don't market the team right. Yeah. They don't market it. And it's too, you know what? Frankly, it's too fucking expensive. So they've got to clean that up. You yeah. know, I, my business, I would rather have, you know, a wider audience at a lower price point than a tiny audience at a higher price point. And the Nuggets strategy has been the latter. And it's ridiculous. You can, how many people can afford to spend $300 a night for a pair of tickets, plus the parking, plus the crummy food, all that? You know, it's ridiculous. You, they've, got to, they've got to dial that down. You've talked about this a lot, Andy, of the Nuggets need to market to a different demographic uh, Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnitz were talking about that's what the Atlanta Hawks did. They stopped going after the white suburban family that's yeah. blah, 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 and go for younger people, younger. Like, you got to do that stuff because when Jamal Murray steps on the floor for game one at Pepsi Center, yeah. it's going to be a culture shock yes. going from Kentucky yes. to Denver. The college now, crowds he had were probably amazing. Now, here's the unfortunate thing about Denver <clears throat> as a city. But, uh, Even are, though are players at some point going to yeah. be like, Sure. Why would I resign here? There's, and it's a podcast. We, people, we can talk about it. Yeah. You know, no enthusiasm. We, we can talk about. Your, so I thought Atlanta, great strategy by Atlanta. Yeah. First of all, Atlanta has more. And I don't have my data handy, but they have like more African American money in that city than I think any other city in the country, other than maybe L.A., if not the most in Atlanta. What market to them? You know, and I just think that in Denver, even though we're becoming more urban, more hipster, more millennial. We're actually losing our African-Americans, which is unfortunate. Our, our percentage of African-Americans as a percentage of the populations is going down, which is, which is terrible. You know, you go to Toronto, and it's such a multi-ethnic city. It's so culture-diverse. Same with L.A., same with New York, same with Chicago, Miami. You know, you hear accents when you're walking down the street. Denver's unfortunately getting more white and more Hispanic and less African-American. So the, I, I, the so Nuggets. Is that can't, why they drafted Wancho? Yeah, <laughs> the Nuggets can't. The Nuggets are great. Question. The Nuggets can't combat that. The Close Nuggets enough. can't combat that. But what the Nuggets should be doing is appealing to all these kids that are moving here from the Bay Area because they can't afford to live there anymore, from Chicago, from New York, from LA. These cities have become so expensive. You know, Denver's an urban environment for those kids working in the pot industry, working in tech startups. Get them in there, but market to them, but they got to lower the prices. Yeah. Millennials don't like paying cover charges, never mind $300 for a pair of Nuggets tickets. Yeah. Good well, and, and, and as has been pointed out on Stiffs, and I'm sorry we're, we're lingering on this, pro- this subject probably more than you wanted, Nate, but there is, a, as pointed out in the Stiffs comment section, there's a, the, the Nuggets basically share the Auraria campus, and oh, they do no marketing, none, to the college kids, none. 
I mean, the tickets are so expensive. We had someone last year trying to start a, a Nuggets enthusiasm thing, Denver Sidekicks. They tried. They were, like, trying to get the prices down. They were trying to bring people, and it just wasn't working because the, the marketing department of the Denver Nuggets would not go below 40 bucks a ticket. Well, and here's the other problem. By the way, here's the other problem that no one wants to talk about, and I've, I'm dying to talk to some higher-ups in the NBA about this at some point. The stadiums, they have to build them for concerts, but they're too big because yes. you couldn't pay me $40 to sit in the third level because I'm much better off at home with my giant television. And giant televisions aren't that expensive anymore. No. So to get the putative millennial customer off of his or her couch to come into the Pepsi Center, it, they may pay 40 bucks, but they better be lower level, but the team will never do that. So it's a, it's a tough spot. It, it really is, and that's why McNichols Arena was so good, because it was smaller, and, and you could... What was could, capacity there? 17,000. It was it's like, like 19 now? Nine, yeah, 19. But 19, yeah. by the way... I filled so it for like 14. 19 is very standard. So all these stadiums, whether it's... Yeah. The only reason Staples Center has a lower per-seat occupancy is because they have more suites, but all these new stadiums range between 19 and 21,000. That's their range. And the NBA... This is shame on the NBA way, but this is not shame on the Nuggets. This is not shame on the Cronkies. This is shame on the NBA because the NBA forces you to build a stadium the way they want you to build a stadium. Yep. To certain specifications because they now have suite requirements. And I think the NBA is totally missing the mark with that third level. They made the I've always said this, and I pointed this out in an article I, I made last year. The, the Pet Center is cavernous, it is huge. And when there's people who are not in there and it's only half full, it's a morgue. It is oh. an absolute morph. Phoenix, yeah. Phoenix's arena, even OKC's, just feels so much homier. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think Phoenix has a third deck. I think they just have two, if I huh. remember correctly. I and it's there. awesome. It's, you know, it's, a, it's a better environment. They should tear down Pepsi Center. Old Key Arena, arena like, was like that. Well, Seattle. my hope is, look, Pepsi Center is now 20 years old, right? Am I right? Yeah. Oh, no, almost. It was almost. built in the uh, tail end of the millennium, yeah. right? So, you know, I, I've written about this, too, with the, with the Cronky family purchasing Elitch's riverfront property. I hope they're looking long-term at a riverfront redevelopment. And I remember talking to Josh Cronky, and we did a Pepsi store t- tour together. And he told me that the Nuggets basically missed the technology boat by just a couple years. Again, they didn't know what was coming around door number two when they built the Pepsi Center. <clears throat> so they inherited a lot of old technology. But the way technology has changed, maybe the Nuggets, I'm trying to be optimistic here, maybe they'll catch the next wave of what the new era stadium is going to look like. Yeah. And maybe they'll do the baseball route and go to the old school like field house concept ah, where awesome. you're a lot more on top of the game. It's a lot more accessible for the yeah. average fan. And because the business model has changed. If ESPN and, and Turner are throwing $2 billion a year at you, do you really give a shit if you've got 14,000 fans versus 18,000 fans? Does it really matter? Yeah. And the incremental cost of four to 5,000 additional fans in terms of bathrooms and parking and and you know just the logistics and security and all the logistics that come with that is it really worth it? Well, I, in those smaller stadiums are really loud. I remember old Memorial was it Memorial Stadium uh, um, uh, Arena in Portland it was really loud, and so was uh, uh, old um, the the whatever in in Seattle and Utah. They're that tiny thing they, they used to play in, and they were all great. They were all really homey, and they had created an atmosphere. And, you know, anyway, this is, we got off track. But it, it's, it's just the business side with Wade is what. Going all the way back to Wade? Yeah. <laughs> the business side <laughs> with they, Wade. They, they are over him. Um, the business side with Wade, you could see why, business-wise, they went to go that direction. Yeah. Because everyone was talking about the Nuggets. Well, at some point, does the team get worried about the players wanting to resign here from that perspective? They have to be. 
Oh, because we couldn't land Wade? No, no, they, no they, because the stadium sucks. Oh, gosh. Because there's no fans. Like, if you're, yeah. on, honestly, if you're Emmanuel Moutier, and let's say he makes an all-star game two years from now, I don't know if that will happens or not. Let's say he does, and his contract's up, whatever, and he's like, man, I, I'm playing in all these road places where the crowds are amazing. I should go play for one of those crowds that has more than 5,000 people. Like You're you. absolutely right, but it's such a chicken and egg thing, right? Because you've got to be good to have butts in the seats. And, it, you know, and it's just when you're in a rebuild, like there's very few markets that can go through a rebuild and they still have butts in the seats. You know, Oakland was one of them. The Warriors always had good attendance. Even though they went yeah. to the playoffs once in 18 years, they always had good attendance. Now, yeah. that could just be the difference between big market and small market. I think the Bay Area is five, six million, maybe double Denver in terms yeah. of metropolitan area size. Yeah. So, the yeah. Uh, Chicago Bulls have just waved Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh-oh. Who they traded for this You know season. what? Maybe the Nuggets can throw $10 million at him and bring him back home. <laughs> <laughs> that is the now end. you're using your noodle. Yeah. <laughs> but it, so I, I also don't understand fans that look at this Nuggets team and say that they're not good and they're not going to be good. I, I just don't understand like how you can look at this roster of all these young kids that have you know, potential. I hate that word in a lot of senses because I think Moutier kind of proved he belongs. Jokic proved he belongs. Gary Harris certainly proved it. Nurkic has shown that he can play in the league. Like It's not just what-ifs with this team. I really do think that they are trending up. I have a and theory. What do, you, what do you guys think of this current Nuggets team? Are you, guys, are you guys hopeful with this team? And what, what's your theory, Jeff? I have a theory. Uh, Denver can't, is having a hard time connecting with the team because of so many international players. I think, I think that is playing a part of it. like one international guy. It's Jokic. And Nurkic and Gallinari. And, <laughs> and, and, yeah, but is like a Denver guy <laughs> now, isn't he? Like, hey, it's, uh, Gallo loves Denver. But, like you know, you could, you, could, you could say you love Denver and all you Laverne want. And Laverne and Wancho. And, but and the they hear it in an Italian accent. They think you still live in Milan. Um, but what I'm saying is, like, I don't think Denver really connects with the, with the team. And I think what's going to take is that they're going to literally have to start winning. I mean, it's just going to – that's what it's going to take, and that's the hardest route to take. Look, the Nuggets were starless in 12-13 when they won 57 games, and that place was pretty packed almost every night. I mean, they, they were starless, but they were winning. De- and Denver's a, Denver's a little bit of a fickle market. You know, the Broncos are going to sell it no matter what, but the Rockies, the Nuggets, the Avalanche, they got to win. That's just that's a fickle market. And you know what? All th- these sports are so damn expensive. Look at me. Yeah, you like know? you said. I, mean, I, spend money, I, I spend money on the Nuggets. You think I've, I haven't bought an Avalanche ticket, a Rapids ticket, or a Rockies ticket? And Broncos, if I could have season tickets, I would. I just can't get in the, the club, right? But, um, you know, I can't, aff- I can't afford it. So I've chosen the Nuggets as my one sport. But you just can't. It's too expensive. And Denver doesn't have enough money. There aren't enough big companies for the boxes. There's just not enough population here to judge. You know, we, remember, we are the smallest market in the United States to have five teams. We are the smallest. So unless you're winning, they're who, not going to come out. Who yeah. counted as the fifth team, the Rapids? Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. Hey, don't. You, you sleep on the MLS at your I peril. <laughs> well, it's they, a fast-growing sport. And I what, like soccer. They got Tim Howard, like and they suddenly sold out. I don't so, like yeah. soccer, and I say you're sleeping on the MLS <laughs> at your peril. You know, the MLS, their metrics are really solid. I think those teams are just getting better. It's an affordable ticket. You can take your family. And what we're seeing now is more and more parents don't want their kids playing football. Yeah. Real football. Yeah. Sorry, American football. Soccer is the real football. I vow so, to never go to a Rapids game on this podcast. I will yes, never go to a podcast. And why is that? I've been to Rapids. I'll never, I'll never go to a soccer game. Okay. Why would I go to an MLS game? Well, give it time. The problem, by the way, that's the problem. By the way, that is the problem with soccer, is that 
the best soccer players in the world are spread out all over the world. Whereas in the NBA, if there's one thing for certain, the best basketball players in the world are in the NBA. They're not, yes, there's some good guys in Spain, there's some good guys in the Australian League and whatever, but the best, best, best are only in the NBA. This is true? For sure. This is true. Um, and I, I wanted to throw this at you, Nate, to throw you a curveball. Yeah. Kind of. Um, the, what do you think it's going to take for the Nuggets to overcome that kind of perception gap, both with uh, NBA players and even in the city? Is it just going to take having a star on the roster? Yeah, probably. I mean, and that's why I really do think as you're, you're pumping up Jamal Murray, I mean, this kid could be electric. We don't know yet. Maybe not. Yeah. But maybe. Maybe it's something like that. You know, maybe it's, you know, you put this team and you sign Boogie Cousins in a couple of years or you sign Paul George or yeah. something, you yeah. know. Maybe that's the way it comes about. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think it is probably just going to come down to a star. I still can't believe how many people Ross Sharon reference Carmelo Anthony so much. Any <laughs> chance Ross Sharon gets to mention Carmelo, he mentions him. But in Raj's... It's like kids bashing George Carl. I know. <laughs> By the way, that was amazing. George Carl's so long gone from Denver. And kids, it's like he literally can't write a Nuggets article without taking Without a shot at George. We love yeah. you, kids, but, man, you're cruel. <laughs> um, in Raj's defense... When Melo was here, when AI was here, they, those guys have star power. They just yeah. do. And people talked about the Nuggets yeah. constantly yeah. when they were here. And somebody referenced it. I think it was maybe Chad Andrus on Twitter saying when he was in Europe, he just saw Melo jerseys everywhere. Like yep. He had star power internationally. It's amazing. It, it's amazing. And there's nothing like an NBA star. I mean, we could talk about NFL, MLB, and all this stuff. It, it really is it truly global. I remember when uh, Danny sport. Ainge, uh, I wish I remembered the intricacies of the article, but Danny Ainge had to sell his ownership on putting the big three together in Boston. You know, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. And he had to literally walk the ownership group through what those three would generate in terms of just merch revenue and sponsorship revenue. And there was a math, there was a math story that Danny Ainge had to sell. Because these were the days when they didn't get $2 billion a year for television rights. And uh, that's how they sold them on it. Because when you, to Jeff's point, when you have stars in your, yeah. in your town, uh, it's almost like, look at LeBron. I, a friend of mine works in retail, real estate. He said, Cleveland real estate revolves around LeBron James. <laughs> the New York Times had an article about a month or two ago about how downtown Oklahoma City real estate revolves around this Thunder team. And I, I, Jeff, I know Jeff's on my side on this. Yeah. The NBA made a deal with the devil when they moved that team from Seattle oh, to Oklahoma City. Because totally. here's the thing. If they, were still the, if they were still the Seattle Supersonics and Durant leaves, Seattle can absorb that and recover. I don't think Oklahoma City recovers. Um, That's what I was going to ask yeah. you guys. What do you think they do with uh, Russell Westbrook? You think Denver's a white town. You think Denver's a tough free agency oh, destination. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. I, <laughs> holy you're never, you're never signing anybody there. Yeah. Ever. No. Yeah. And what were you, what were you saying? What would you do if you're uh, Sam Presti with Russell Westbrook? Oh, trade him. I've heard some good options. Uh, I think it was Winhurst was saying they could offer him like the Nuggets did with Chandler and with Gallinari. You can give him an $8 million raise this year and try to extend him to give yourself more time. Uh, if he would accept that or not, who knows. If he says no, do you just call the Lakers and see if you can get D'Angelo? You know, plus we, we bash Carmelo Anthony a lot around here, and I know I've been bashing ah, him. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about but this. But you know what? Point. Yeah. I will always give Carmelo credit because he told Masai and Josh, day one, I'm not going to come back, so you figure it out. Now, he was a little bit of a douchebag in the sense that he said, there's only two places I'm willing to go. Yeah. So the Nuggets were very limited in terms of who they could trade to. It's kind of like what Barkley did to the Sixers in the early 90s, frankly. But, and the Sixers refused to trade Barkley in conference. Yeah. And basically the Nuggets did the same thing. So that limits you. 
But if I'm Russell Westbrook and I have no intention of staying in Oklahoma City, just man up, meet with Sam Presti, be a man about it, and get your, get your ass out of there before the trade deadline. I wonder or if get your ass sorry, Jeff, get your ass out of there before opening night so you're not a distraction all season. I mean, the I Thunder agree. lost Kevin Durant and got absolutely nothing. Nothing. In it was Matumbo-esque. <laughs> didn't Miami? Didn't didn't Cleveland like end up actually signing and trading LeBron to Miami? If memory serves, didn't they get like two second round picks for yeah. him or something? Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. something. Good. Well, I mean, so I think you gotta give Carmelo. You know, what? you gotta give Carmelo credit. Like, we can bash him for wanting to leave Denver, but you gotta give him credit for telling so him he was gonna leave. If Denver. Westbrook agrees to a trade like Melo, will he also take his hat off to himself like Melo did? <laughs> <laughs> he might. Very well. Um, well, I, 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 this is going to throw this out to both of you guys. Is that do you think? What will change the uh, – and uh, this is kind of going on the previous question I asked you, but is there something that's going to change the perception of either the Nuggets or the city of Denver? Is it just simply winning? Is it, I mean, are we boiling it down to the Nuggets have to win? I'm really stupid, but I thought last year when uh, Denver beat the Rockets in Houston, game one, it gave them like this – I don't know how much buzz it gave them around the city, maybe none. But when they came home – uh, the Pepsi Center was kind of full for that Timberwolves yeah, game. Yeah, it was more full was than it, okay? it was here before, yeah. And they lose that game, and immediately that just kind of signals this goes like, back to, all right, they're not ready. This goes back to that awful chicken and egg thing when you're a loser because the NBA, schedule, they screw you on the schedule when you're a losing team. So then it just becomes this like snowball cycle, effect. Yeah. So if you remember, the Nuggets had those really long home stands in January mm-hmm. and February, and February, was it? February, yeah, too. So, first of all, long home stands, if you're selling tickets, kills you. Two, a lot of those games were on Mondays, Tuesdays, yep. Wednesdays. The Nuggets just didn't get Friday, Saturday games. And the NBA screwed them. Yeah. They just screwed them. I, just, I, I felt like, though, if, if they start the year 2-0, and like that's, I think that's what they have to do this year. You know, if you want fans to kind of trickle back a little bit. You like the Rockies to, do. Be good for the... Be, yeah. be, be Mr. I mean, I, Mr. April, whatever yeah. the version would be in basketball. Yeah, you have to start yeah. out like 10 and 6 or 10 and 5. You yeah. have to have a winning record and you have to maintain it for a little while. Yeah. The team this year, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they could hover around the 500 mark if, you know, if health maintains, if guys stay healthy uh, with how kind of weakened the league is at this point. Maybe they hover around 500 and maybe that starts to bring well, some interest back yeah. if they can. That's really interesting. You know, with this star cluster thing that we're not happy about, the, maybe the silver lining of it is yes, you're going to get your ass kicked by the Warriors when you play them four times a year, but there's <laughs> so many mediocre teams out there. Shea, you, you can might, be, you you can might be split 500. The with yeah. the Thunder. <laughs> you know, you might go 2-2 two two against right. OKC. Right. OKC may not even make the playoffs this year. Right. Well, do you think the Nuggets can be able to, in, in this scenario we're painting here, do you think they can be able to recruit uh, free agents? Because I have a theory that I've been wanting to espouse here that I think um, on top of the other things, I'm not saying this is the only thing, but the Nuggets, one of the perceptions is, and I've heard, heard this expressed a lot uh, through both media members and players, is that the, is that DIA being in the middle of freaking nowhere, because all these players see is though the airport, the arena, the, the hotel and the arena. And then they go back. And the biggest thing that makes the, the, the biggest impression on them is the freaking airport being 30 minutes away in the middle of Well, you know what I'm talking about this. Our airport, it, takes us, it probably takes less time to get from our airport yeah. to the team hotel than most major cities. I mean, O'Hare, you get to O'Hare during rush hour, good luck. You know, get to JFK or LaGuardia in rush hour, good luck. LAX to Staples Center to downtown, yeah. good effing luck. I mean, you're, you're talking about being in the car for two hours. But the difference is you see nothing but city. Yeah. 
you know, I was just in uh, I was just in Brooklyn, and it took us forever to get from JFK to uh, downtown Brooklyn, which is not that far from Barclays. Yeah. But you see nothing but cities. So you see vibrancy. You see people on the streets. You see mm-hmm. you do see cultural diversity. You see all these things. Unfortunately, Denver they land you in a cornfield, basically. Thank you, Federico um, Pena. Yeah, <laughs> and I did uh, Jeff to your point. You know what though? But you know what's funny about that? that not that NBA players would ever appreciate this. The fact that our airport is in the middle of nowhere is actually a huge benefit to our our economy mm-hmm. because unlike other airports, we can easily expand when we need to. And little known fact. The Denver airport is either the sixth or the seventh busiest in the United States, and it's about 17th busiest in the world. Wow. Because the, and, and we have a phenomenal food and beverage program at the airport. So we have a terrific airport for airport's sake <laughs> and for economic development. It's just not, to your point, if you're an NBA player, you don't know the nuances of airport economy, yeah. and you're you, seeing a cornfield. You land, yeah, and I, you, yeah. see, you see nothing but wheat. Or, no, I, should or, say, or I should say cornfield. Yeah. I'd asked. There's uh, not even corn. It's just corn. fields. Yeah. Field. Denver and prairie a, dogs. Denver had a pre-draft workout, and I'd asked Ricky Leto, a second-round pick of the Mavericks a few years back, I asked him something he had learned about Denver or didn't know before he got here, and he said, yeah, I didn't know y'all didn't have trees. And I was like, what? And he's like, the whole way here, like I didn't see any trees. And I was like, oh, God. Not, and by the way, it's, it's, the arena. it's worse than that. <laughs> now, and this is my last comment I have to bounce, unfortunately. When you get back from the airport, I'm very attuned to this because this is the neighborhood that I live in right here in River North. So not only do you have the airport, and I'm not exactly sure how they get to downtown if they go to the I-25 curve and then get off that way because all the players stay at the Four Seasons. Yeah, Most of the teams stay at the Four Seasons. But if they get off at Brighton Boulevard, Brighton Boulevard's a horrible street. But we <laughs> in this neighborhood, and that includes me, we in this neighborhood are trying to change that paradigm. You know, The city's investing $25 bucks into Brighton Boulevard, and it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful boulevard in two more years. For real? And Yes. Sweet. And we're redoing I-70. So that awful viaduct, which is a mess, they're actually going to bury it. They're going to put a park over it. So it's going to look better, but not, not soon enough. So they go from field to shit neighborhood to Pepsi Center, back through ship neighborhood, right. to airport. I can't wait for all that construction. Yeah. <laughs> They're going <laughs> to see construction. Be uh, Andy, before you go, i got to tell you, Adrian Wojnarowski, free agent center, and Andrew Feinstein's uh, friend from Africa, Festus yeah. Azili. Good dude, by the way. Reached a two-year yeah. agreement with the Portland Trailblazers. I got my Woj alerts here, too. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> That's Portland fans, <laughs> Portland fans were bummed that they didn't get a free agent, so they got one. Um, but yeah. Festus is a great kid, great guy, very introspective person, and good for him. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of was hoping Denver might snag him at one point in time and they have last no year. But. Well, we'll get out of here. Andy, thanks for joining us. We Thank appreciate you, Andy. it. Uh, Nuggets. Thanks, guys. Got to do well. Andy, what's your, uh, give us a quick prediction on Nuggets Summer League next, next couple of weeks. <laughs> prediction on Summer League. <laughs> Are they going to um, dominate? Is that what they say? Yeah. I, I have no, I, I'm not doing Summer League predictions. Okay. <laughs> By the way, GMs don't even watch Summer League. They just use it as an excuse to go to Vegas. Yeah, it's perfect. Zeely's contract's two years, $16 million. How about that? All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. We'll see you guys next Next week. week. All right. Thanks, guys.